Hi, as you know, I'm Shay, and I'm here again with the Scare Your Pants Off team. And we have decided that we wanted to thank you uh, come Christmas and give you a special treat. And this is our retelling of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I give you SYPO Christmas Carol. I was dead to begin with. My choices in life grew links in the chains I carry in death. Links not from things I've done, but rather things I have not. Moments in my petty, selfish existence where I could have chosen a path less so. Moments where I chose to turn a blind eye to those in need rather than to help. I valued the mighty dollar far beyond how I valued my fellow man. I cared about dollar signs and decimals and taxes and interests. More than those, I made homeless and starving with no real chance to survive. I grew richer and richer at the expense of others and their misfortune. What was worse? It bought me pride. I bear no chance at a redemption in life. I saw to that till I drew my last breath. In death, though, I've been given a chance, though I hardly deserve it. I'll break free of my eternal chains in the event I help the only human other than myself I saw true value in. The man who helped line my pockets as well as his. My good and only friend, Scrooge, whose chains in death will far surpass mine if he continues down the dismal path he has chosen. A path I guided him down when he was merely a boy. He runs still the business we built together to feed on those less fortunate. Scrooge and Marley Inc. He hasn't in the years since I passed taken my name from it. Likely the only kindness he has truly ever shown. Still in our, <coughs> his, employ is a man, Bob Cratchit. A man who will wield not one singular link in death. A truly good man. In all the years we worked together, not even a shred of his goodness rubbed off on us. I always found him to be somewhat irritating, but Scrooge saw him as merely naive and let him have his whimsy so long as it didn't affect his bottom line. But Christmas Day, every single year though, it got a rise from Scrooge because he felt that's exactly what he did. Cratchit! Yes, sir. It's a quarter till three, and I've yet to see that foolish courier. Did I perchance miss him? No, sir. Being Christmas Eve and all, the courier service is shut down for the holiday at noon. Does the need for a courier cease to exist merely because of this beggar's holiday? It's far from just a beggar's holiday. It's a day of family, of appreciating what you have, and sharing it with those who- Exactly as I stated, a beggar's holiday. A holiday which increases the already staggering amount of people darkening our door looking for a handout. Not to add to your already bubbling over animosity for the day, but it is about three o'clock, sir. And? Well, we, we, we had um, we had discussed previously, you know, being Christmas Eve and all, I, I could leave at three provided my work for the day was finished as well as my work for the next day so I could be with my family this evening for the Why holiday. Why is this again? Why would I have offered such a ridiculous thing? You offered it with my promise to work through Thanksgiving, Easter, 
and New Year's without the mentions of the holidays that they were. I suppose you did. Your work, though, can hardly be done. Sir, if I may. Cratchit brought to Scrooge's desk two days of work, finished and neatly sorted. These are the receipts from payments, accounts losses, interest increases and payouts, all good clear through till December 26th. And the courier? Mr. Scrooge, being Christmas Eve and all, as I've said, <sighs> the need for business does not cease to exist because it's the eve of Christmas. Now does it? Bob Cratchit shook his head knowing an argument would prove futile and only dampen his chances of being with his family for this, his favorite holiday. And the clock had now just struck three. No, Mr. Scrooge, it does not. You will be here two hours early in the morning of the 26th to make up for the two hours you're shorting me today. And you're working two later that day and each day until your shift tomorrow is made up for. Bob swallowed his smile, trying not to seem eager to leave and anger Scrooge more. But the kindness he was about to be given was not one he had moments prior thought he'd be afforded. Yes, sir, without a word. Ugh, I suppose I'll deliver the eviction myself. It's along my walk home anyway. I'll have a strong word for that courier though, come the 26th. Bob merely nodded in agreement, though his heart broke for those about to receive it on these of all days. Gouse your light and be on your way before I change my mind. Yes, Mr. Scrooge, thank you. And Merry Christmas, sir. His whole body went still for a moment. He had set it in habit, his own merriment nearly radiating out of his body. He feared how he'd pay. Scrooge looked at him with disgust. Ah, uh, bah humbug. Now go. Bob ran out the door, grabbing his hat and coat and lunging into the cold winter's air, nearly colliding with Fred Scrooge. A Scrooge in name, maybe, but very much his mother's son. He too radiated goodwill and kindness like Cratchit, especially in this holiday season. Nothing at all like his uncle, who Bob narrowly escaped the wrath of for his merry words. Ah, Bob, it's wonderful to see you. I was afraid I've missed the chance to wish you and yours merry. Fred, always a pleasure. Merry Christmas to you and my best to Clara as well, please. Merry Christmas to you and Emily, of course. Martha, Peter, and Tiny Tim, too. How is your youngest doing these days? Uh, his hopes are high. He's an inspiration to those who see him. He's as good as gold and better. The two men shook hands and Cratchit put on his jacket and hat and hurried home. Fred, on the other hand, stepped into Scrooge and Marley Inc. to keep good on a promise he made himself in honor of his mother and not given up on her dear brother, his uncle, the withered and snide man sitting alone in his office on Christmas Eve. Uncle, always a pleasure. Fred? As you know, Clara and I hold a gathering each Christmas and a big dinner, and as always, we'd like to invite you. Yes, yes, scrimp and save for the large extravagant meals and parties you can afford in the name of a day. As you know, each year I decline. This year, shall be no different. Well, should you change your mind, the invite has no expiration, and we'd celebrate your attendance should you decide to bless us with it. Humbug. Scrooge looked blankly at his nephew, cold and no longer interested in returning the conversation. 
Scrooge rolled his eyes and watched his nephew leave and waited until he was around the corner before he himself decided to head home. Darkness fell quickly through his walk. He slid the eviction through the mail slot of a thin and rotted door on his way home. Be holidays indeed. His house, much like mine, was large, but dark and cold. The epitome of wealth on his exterior, but nearly empty inside, with the exception of his extravagant bed and bedding. In an overpriced chair and ottoman, he sat next to an excessively extravagant fireplace with marble molding and mantle. The grandfather clock that was his mother's sat alone in the corner. The rest of the home was void, really, of any sign of life, love, or happiness. But an echo of what could have been screamed through the drafty and cold corridors. He sat alone after donning his nightwear and slurped at a bowl of hot stew his poorly paid housemaid left for him in a glass of tepid water. The flame from the fire danced in his tired eyes as he finished by sopping up the remaining stew with a bit of day-old bread. He fell asleep in his chair as he had most nights. The fire depleted and the room grew cold. It was now or never for me and my chains for my friend. Scrooge. He woke suddenly, his breath visible and fast in panic as he shook his head. Scrooge! He looked around now. He knew he was awake. Oh, just my mind uh, drifting to slumber. Scrooge shook his head. He was lost for words, but only for a moment until he gathered his wits. Scrooge. He looked at me, his eyes still panicked. He squinted and waited for me to dissipate. But I didn't. I couldn't. I was his one shot at salvation. And he mine. My chains clinked as I drew closer to him. Marley? But uh, you're a... You are, you are but a figment of my imagination. A, uh... A bit of undigested beef, perhaps. Uh, there is more of gravy than of grave about you. Whatever you are. It's me, my own. I'm here not to scare you, but to offer you salvation, to save you from these chains and at least myself now. These chains I forged in life, linked by link and in death, their roots. Had I known in life what you will come to know, I have died in person. Oh, what? What will I know? How will I... You will be visited. I left him there at that moment, cold, alone, and shaken, and I felt for the first time something I hadn't known possible, guilt and shame and empathy for another person, and it burned in the pit of me, searing a weight heavier 
at that moment than any of the links in my chains. Time ticked on and Scrooge lay in bed, hearing each movement of the clock's hands. And just as he began to drift back to sleep, it began. The air grew colder than before, and it stung Scrooge, who woke startled at the chiming of the clock. He looked around his bedroom, peering from his bed curtains, but all that met his gaze was darkness. He retreated and curled deep within his blankets until from all angles an aura of white and gold illuminated his room. He peeked again, blinded for a moment, to find but a globe of light hovering above his floorboards. It spoke no words he could hear with his ears, but spoke through him in a way he could hear only with his heart. You must be the first of the three I'm to encounter this night. What, may I ask, are you here to do? But where will we go? How will we get there? I don't understand. Don't understand. I'm merely a man, though, not a spectral such as yourself. The answer hit him hard. The first of the three that were to show him the error of his ways was the ghost of Christmas past. The past was not something Scrooge had dwelled much in, at least he didn't think he had. Truth of it was that he had lived much of his life in a way to cope with the pains and heartache that he had encountered as a child and further through his life. He grew cold to keep with what he felt would forever be the climate of his life. Not all moments were that of darkness, though. Possibly through new eyes, he'd see that the darkness lay, sometimes only within himself. My feet stay planted because I, I, I cannot fly. He no sooner spoke those words when he felt a warmth around his hand as the globe encased it with light. Just like that, his windows flew open and his once firmly planted feet were hovering above his floor, then out the window they went. They gained speed, whipping through the air. Scrooge was scared at first, but eventually a slight smile grew on his face. Their first stop this evening would be his old boarding school, where he had spent many a Christmas. Times were tough in the Scrooge home. Money was barely existent, and his services to the headmaster over school breaks paid for not just his education, but his room and board as well. A favor to his father, whom he despised. These favors weren't favors a child should have to pay. But he knew, if he had fought to be home for the holidays, that his mother and sisters would pay for it after he left, when the holiday break was over. He had stopped asking years ago, so to not anger his father. This Christmas before them, though, was different. It was his 17th Christmas, and his last at that school. Just as the headmaster approached Scrooge, outside a carriage arrived, unexpected as it was merely the two of them left at the school. His sister had arrived to bring him home for Christmas with no plans to return him to the clutches of his vile headmaster. His father had passed in the weeks prior, and mother was home with his eldest sister, Lottie, who was set to give birth to a young boy any day now. 
Scrooge felt in his heart a warmth for the child he had yet met, glad for the boy he would be entering the world without a father like his in it. The boy's father had left the moment Lottie was sure she was pregnant, not before punishing her for it. So good riddance, he was gone. The spirit took Scrooge's hand as he watched his younger self board the carriage with Fanny. Their next stop would be the very next morning, Christmas morning. With the sun came the birth of a child. The labor was hard and horrible, and there was just too much blood. Within moments of his nephew Frederick entering the world, his eldest sister had left it. Though just an infant, Scrooge would hold over him, eventually, the blame for removing his sister so violently from his life. He would leave home and take up board with Mr. Fezziwig a year earlier than they had talked when they had first met and discussed future apprenticeship, but good old Fezziwig was happy to have him. His hand grew warm again as Christmas passed, took it and whisked him for the last time this evening to a final display of what was. It was three years later from the night that they had just left. Each year, good old Fezziwig threw a Christmas party for all of his family and friends, and if you worked for Fezziwig, you were family. Fezziwig was going to be giving him the news of inviting Scrooge into a partnership at the start of the new year. There was dancing and singing and plenty of liquid merriment flowing around. Fezziwig was passing out Christmas bonuses and his lovely wife bouncing around, seeing to it that each glass remained full. The lovely Miss Bella Fezziwig, who had been in sort of a courtship with the young strapping Scrooge himself, wore her Christmas best as she was sure tonight was the night he would finally place a ring on her finger at long last. He had always promised her the time was near, that he wanted merely to wait until he knew he could take care of her, and with the pending partnership, she had assumed that that time had come. Instead of buzzing with holiday merriment, though, instead of dancing with his lovely Bella or laughing with Fezziwig, Scrooge began summing up the entire evening in equations. He approximated the cost of the party, the bonuses, and then his new probable salary, and it became, at that moment, obvious to him that his future would not be as full of abundant wealth as he had hoped staying with Fezziwig. Would it have been enough for a good life? A happy life? Of course, but it was in that crude math that a new love entered Scrooge's life. One that would take from him everything else. And standing just outside of that Fezziwig party was the person who would catapult him into the dismal and lonely life he led today. Me. Marlon, is that you? Yes, I was hoping to catch you before it was too late in the evening. Well, you have... Of course, I'm sorry to pull you away from... this... party. But we had spoken about your likely partnership in the new year with Fezziwig, and I wanted to be sure and offer you the same and more. Desiwig is a good man who has showed... Who has showed you how to be completely bankrupt in the next five years, judging from this ridiculous waste of hard-earned money? You can't tell me you haven't done the math. He had, though. His head hung low. Have, I suppose. But perhaps he needs some guidance. 
guidance you had already offered, guidance he neglected to heed. He values goodwill far above that of his own wealth and well-being. Come the future, all for what? A party? A few measly Christmas gifts? His estate is filled with items soon to be repossessed. His daughter, daft in thinking his measly salary, when spread so thin, will be one she'd like to live off of. Perhaps one day she'll see. You're right, and she will know it in time as well. When shall I start? The scene in front of him dissipated, though he knew how it had ended. Some small part of him hoped for something different. Wind would whoosh around him, and in a blur, he would wake again in his bed. At first, he insisted to himself that it was but a dream, but the cold dampness in his feet from the past Christmas's snow would show him otherwise. Before he could find warmth, the clock would strike again. This time, one. The sound of bells would fill his room, almost deafening and a bright light, though not as blinding as the last ghosts. He peeked again from his bed curtains, and before him stood a giant, smiling, jolly man in velvet green robes with a crown of holly around his head, and he bellowed to him. Come in, Scrooge, and know me better. Scrooge paused and stared. He wanted to move forward and obey, but couldn't. He had frozen where he was. I said come in! And know me better. And with a wave of his hand, Scrooge's body, no longer under his control, pulled closer to the giant, stopping at his feet. Yes, my, uh, my sincerest, uh, uh, my apologies, kind giant. I have never before seen when someone such as... Living life as shallow as you, it shocks me that you haven't come to know one of my brothers. You have brothers? I do, 47. Have you many? I had two sisters only growing up. I had always wondered what it would be like to have brothers. I'd imagine it's much like sisters, with less fighting over the bathroom. Our backyard grass never stood a chance, though. Are you the second spirit I am meant to meet tonight? I am. I'm the ghost of Christmas present. Of today's Christmas? Yes, but not one you'll see from your solitary chambers. Only one you'll hear distant ramblings of. As carriers stroll by, my time will be short, but you will learn much if you will open your heart, of course. I have. It it has opened so much already. I want to see merriment, should I be allowed to awaken, and partake when our time is up. Then come. Mm, they see us? No, something tells me that the sight of you, at present, will be an unwelcome one. The giant placed his hand on the ground, and Scrooge stepped aboard and held onto his giant thumb as they flew through time, just hours ahead to the morning soon to come. As they grew nearer their destination, the spirit and Scrooge grew similar in size until they were near equal. They stood outside a small, humble home with a soft light glowing from within. The smell of a small goose roasting filled the air. In a blink, they were inside unseen, but first-hand spectators. They watched as Miss Cratchit tended to the small feast and began serving meager portions into set plates around a modest table, hers 
as always being the smallest portion. Through their door came Bob and their youngest and very ill son, Timothy. Poorly in health, but as rich a person Scrooge had ever seen in heart and good spirits. The family sat together and shared what they were thankful for and partook in a toast led by Bob. To Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. Miss Cratchit's face scrunched as she held her tongue for long enough to find the words she felt appropriate. You, my sweet husband, are the founder of this feast. But on this day, if your heart feels it to thank him, then I shall as well. To you, my dear, and to Mr. Scrooge. Such little to be thankful for. I saw to that without giving it a thought. Had I known it was so hard for them, I would have... You knew from the day you met them, mere months before Tim was born. You knew, and like always, you turned a blind eye. Tell me, spirit, may I still make good? Long overdue, I know, but might I? The ghost took his hand and whisked him into a dark corner of the cemetery and sat on a cement memorial bench. He looked to have aged a hundred years in such a short time. Are you unwell, spirit? I am very well. My time here is just short. Surely there is more to see. More you can show me. There is more, but not for me to show. As I feel myself fade, I can see but two things before me. An empty crutch without a young owner by the fireplace, and a vacant chair at the Cratchit tape before next Christmas. Such a young, sweet boy. I can feel the toll of your next visitor coming. Learn from him what you will. Learn from him what's to come. But wait, kind spirit. Is this what is to come, or what could shall I not change? Are these things that can be mended? But Christmas present was gone in the crisp night's air, and from behind him a low grumble. He turned, and as his eyes befell his next ghost, his knees began to shake and his teeth chatter. Are you my visitor to show me Christmas yet to come? Much like Christmas past, this ghost also did not speak. Instead, though, of feeling it in his heart as he had before, Scrooge was left feeling alone and scared, though he stood in the hooded ghost shadow. Oh, please, please, speak to me. Leave me not alone here. T tell me what I must do. Are these things you'll show me things that are sure to happen, or are these things that may happen should I not change my ways? The silence nearly bore a hole through him. The large hooded figure pointed and Scrooge followed the direction of his bony finger. He saw in front of him a grave covered in snow that sat alone. He walked to it slowly, sure it was his own. Please, please tell me I have a chance and this is not where I lay. Tell me I can change and find good within myself before I lay alone in the earth waiting for my decay. The ghost stood silent and pointed to the small gravestone. Scrooge turned back to face it and knelt in the snow to brush it off. His blackened heart sunk when his name was not that which he uncovered, but that of a young Timothy Cratchit, aged seven years old. Tears began to fall from Scrooge's eyes and a warmth grew within him that he thought had left him for good long, long ago. And he turned to the ghost. I can make this right. I, I, I must be able. 
What would I stand to learn if these things could not be changed? What lesson in all of this? His fear was never dying alone. It was a fate he had accepted long ago. His fear now is dying without resolution, without leaving a brighter mark on the world, on those he had forced himself not to care about. He did care. He always had somewhere deeply nestled inside himself, but it had begun to pour out of him. His eyes flooding and his vision became blurry. And the wind whipped around him again. As the tears cleared from his sight, he was back again in his room. The clock now striking six. He had missed hours, but he was back just in time. He rushed to his window and saw Christmas commotion beginning. And he knew what he had to do. He put on his holiday best and filled small satchels with riches and handed them out along the way to the market to buy the biggest goose he could for the Cratchit family and a carriage full of gifts for the Cratchit kids and every child he passed along the way. He retracted each eviction, donated large sums every chance he had, and he brought to the Cratchit home the feast and offering of partnership with a hefty pay increase to Bob, as well as his insistence to take on the whole of Tim's medical care, including the best doctors money could buy. He knocked and waited. Mr. Scrooge, I, Mary. Uh, you were not at the shop this morning, Cratchit. But, but sir, you said I could. I know damn well what I said. Cratchit's wife stormed to the door, but before she could give him a piece of his mind, I, I, I should have said much more. He stepped aside, revealing the feast, and helped bring it inside. I'll expect to see you no sooner than January 2nd. I've got some rearranging of assets and whatnot to settle before I can have you back as a partner. Kate, of course, all the while. A holiday break, if you will. Paid partner salary, too, if you'll have me. And starting as well in the new year, young Tim, will be given new treatment, the best money can buy, and not a cent of it from your accounts. I insist, if you'll have it, of course. Yes, of, of course, sir. Thank you. Please stay for dinner. We'd be blessed to have you. Another time. I've got much good to do. And the thanks, my good man, is all to you. Late, but I do hope in time you'll forgive me. And he would. The whole family would, in fact. Scrooge became that of an uncle to the Cratchit children and more a brother to Bob. He made good in all of his promises and so much more. His next stop, giving, of course, throughout the whole way there, was his nephew Fred's home. There, he would be greeted with surprise, but open arms just as his sister would have. Their relationship would be bountiful and strong, and it would stay for the rest of the years Scrooge would be on this earth. When he would join me after his death, it would be without one single link, just as his salvation afforded me. Well, we hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we appreciate you. And may you have the merriest of Christmases.